social media plus financial services equals... It's either an equation or a code to crack. And let's face it, you can't just throw up a Facebook page and call it good. Meet someone who's cracked the code and has excellent advice for financial services leaders this week on Bankadelic. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic! The Colorful Side of Finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate, and investigate actionable insights unscripted. Banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Bankadelic. And we have tried hard to get this one together. We finally did. And on the line, we have someone who knows social really well from the financial services standpoint. We have Doug Wilbur. Not that long ago, he was with Gremlin Social. And now that company is Denim Social. And he is at the helm making things happen. Doug, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Lou. Thanks for having me. Tell me about the new company and what your vision is for what you're doing. Absolutely. The new company, Denim Social, is the result of two companies coming together hand in hand to tackle a very important issue now that the deck has effectively been reshuffled for a lot of bank marketers. And what we did by pulling together Gremlin Social and Denim Labs was to create the first of its kind full end to end social media management tool for the financial services industry. And so now we have upwards of around 250 financial institutions, everything from very large national brands all the way down to small community banks who turn to us to not only manage the publishing of social media content on behalf of their brand as well as their employees, but now with the addition of our capabilities via the merger to be able to effectively deploy paid advertising and paid social advertising at the brand, branch, and employee level, but manage that at scale and all within the compliance boundaries that are so important for our industry. That's fantastic. Now let's pretend for a minute, I'd like to pretend this. I am running Lou's Community Bank and say to you, Doug, I'm in. Can you walk me through how this would work with my institution, where we're going to begin and where we hopefully wind up? Sure. So what we feel very passionately around at Denim is that this core use case around people bank with people, right? We all have someone who personally helps us with financing their home with a mortgage. We have somebody who personally helps us plan for retirement as a financial advisor. If I'm running a small business, I have somebody who personally looks after my business as a commercial lender. These are all very personal relationships that we have with these financial institutions. And so our viewpoint is that while the brand is very important for a lot of these community banks, you know, regional banks, national brands, ultimately it's the ability for that individual, that representative of the bank to make those personal connections with the customer. And there's no better way for them to be able to do that in a day and age where many branches are shut down. Commercial lenders can't walk Bain Street. Wealth advisors can't take people out for lunch. So the best way to connect with a customer is in a place where they're already engaged on social media. And they, as the consumer, are less likely to engage with the brand on social than they are with an individual. And that's what we power. How has the COVID pandemic and people 
having limited activity outside really changed what you do? We've been evangelizing the power of social media and what we call social selling for a number of years now. And, you know, obviously it struck a chord with a large number of institutions that we work with. But I think what we have found right now, as folks are pinned down to their house, as it's becoming more difficult to engage with customers, that social media has raised itself in terms of where it sits in the priority stack for any number of financial institutions. And, you know, the most interesting thing that we've found is that from a brand perspective, you know, banks do a really good job with their brand marketing. They work really hard to become trusted parts of the communities that they serve, but they do it at the macro level. And the interaction with the actual customer in many ways happens at the branch. Now, because we're all locked into our houses, there is no branch and there is no ability to sit down with a banker at a branch. So how are you going to build those one-to-one connections that ultimately give that customer confidence they're putting some of their most important life decisions in their capable hands of the right advisor? 250 institutions, that's a really impressive number. But on the flip side of that, you have an almost direct connection to the consumer as well, because you're enabling banks to reinforce that connection. Yeah, to a certain degree. We're not a consumer-facing brand per se, right? Exactly. So by design, the consumer doesn't know that Denim Social exists, right? Our ethos is at the end of the day, it's the advisor who matters. It's the mortgage lender. It's the commercial lender. It's the insurance agent. Those are the people who matter the most. And by the brand harnessing that collective horsepower and the reach of all of their employees who are out there already having conversations with consumers, the brand harnessing that collective horsepower and ensuring that brand voice and tone and alignment to other marketing activities, that that effort is coordinated. And then also from a compliance perspective, you have a pulse on everything that's being said in the public domain on behalf of the brand. Right. And that's why the compliance officers, I would say the marketers love us. The compliance officers really love us because we ensure that we give the marketing teams the tools they need to be effective in their roles without exposing the brand to undue reputational risk and compliance risk. Compliance people love you and you're not even posting pictures of puppies. <laughs> no puppies. Well, we don't we don't post. Maybe the bank does, but either way, it would be compliant. I believe it's compliant to post a picture of a puppy on social media. I hope so. Now, turning to a common objection, people saying, you know, there's this massive noise floor on social media. We tried a Facebook page. We maybe got 10 people visiting it. We really don't know that that's a valuable tool for us. We're not quite sure what we would do to raise those numbers. How do you answer that? It comes down to, again, the amount of engagement that you will be able to derive from strictly posting on behalf of the brand is going to be limited. So just think about us as consumers. Why do we go onto social media in the first place? We go onto social media to engage with other human beings. So we have friends on Facebook, but that's what they are called on Facebook, right? We have connections on LinkedIn. We go onto these platforms because we want to interact with human beings. And so our viewpoint is that by harnessing, again, harnessing that collective horsepower of all of your employees, creating scheduling and posting relevant thought leadership content on behalf of those employees is what's really going to push the needle. And then now the ability that we now have to create an engagement, a thought leadership driven engagement on social media, 
compliantly engaging with that consumer on social because inevitably we're going to like and we're going to comment and we're going to share and all that and we want to make sure we're doing so in a very compliant manner but then driving that conversation off social media and then ultimately creating an awareness campaign off the back of that engagement through our advertising capabilities and so those three products working in concert as a platform is really how you push the needle on social media. It's thinking about the sales funnels, so to speak, right? So awareness, consideration, intent, all the way on down to the point in time where a consumer purchases a product. That path in financial services is by no means linear. These are very life stage driven purchasing decisions that we as consumers make. And so institutions and advisors need to be able to stay top of mind and stay relevant for a consumer until that point in time where they are having their third child or moving to a new market for a job opportunity and need to figure out who they're going to finance their home purchase with. These are all things you can't necessarily predict as a marketer, but we want to make sure that the advisor is there with them every step of the journey. So when they finally raise their hand, they think of that advisor first. The concept of stewardship is really a sophisticated one. It's not always understood. In terms of that work, there are so many moving pieces here. The connections are not obvious. Yeah, I mean, what gets us really excited is when we hear the feedback coming back from our customers and we're hearing the use cases that they are bubbling up for us and how they are changing their marketing tactics around not just social media, but being human as a brand and understanding the relevancy that their employees play in driving forward their sales, really. We grew out of the community bank space. And when we first released the first iteration of the platform, it was really designed to be a tool for banks who are just getting started on social media and giving them the ability to compliantly get their brand active on social. And then we started to work with branches. And then we started to work with mortgage lenders and insurance agents and folks like that. And now we're seeing that evolve into working with commercial lenders, for example. And you know, right now, especially with like the rollout of PPP and the role that community banks play and all of that, a lot of that was relationship driven. And so for us, what's really exciting is to see the impact that we can have by ensuring those customer facing representatives of the bank can stay top of mind for a customer and solve a customer's problem, especially right now. That's really cool for us. What I find fascinating is what you are doing, Doug, in the here and now. However, what I hear often within the financial industry is how people don't understand social. Their mindset is 10 years back. Maybe what they do know is something their teenage kid tells them about Instagram or TikTok. How do you bring people into the present? What matters? Why does it matter? The marketers we work with are coming by and large from a different perspective. They're coming at this from a brand perspective. They're thinking about more traditional marketing channels, direct response. We all know how much mail shows up in our mailbox with offers or products and services. Those are the ways that banks and other financial services organizations and insurance companies have operated in the past is direct response, traditional media buys. What we find is as we start to unpack that idea with any financial institution, really, of getting their employees out there more front and center, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh my gosh, how do we manage all of this? How do we ensure that we're not exposing ourselves to undue compliance risk or reputational risk? putting up those guardrails and giving the marketing teams the ability to create workflows designed to ensure that the people who need to have a pulse on what's happening do indeed have a pulse on what's happening, 
right? And we can work within the frameworks in which they are comfortable. So I can speak to experience. I spent six years building products at Discover Card. And inevitably, when we would be rolling out a new product, we would use a lot of these traditional media channels. We would do direct mail. We would do email campaigns. We would do traditional media buys. We would have to follow a very pre-described path to get that content approved, right? Inevitably, it's going through legal, you know, it's going through creative review and sign-off processes and all that. We get that. We've built that inside the platform as well. So I think there's a lot of comfort that comes with using our platform in designing workflows and approval workflows that are very similar to what they experience today. And so just getting everyone comfortable that, hey, look, we recognize that a lot more people are going to be talking about the brand in the public domain. We recognize that there's going to be a lot more voices out there, but we're anchoring that against the core values of the institution. And we're doing so in a way that ensures effectively no one can say something that's out of bounds. You are lifting the social out of social media and putting a spotlight on it. You are returning the idea of the customer as the human. You're creating this new platform for institutions and it's a classy platform. It is a really slick platform. Doug, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, thank you, Lou. I appreciate it. Doug Wilbur is the CEO of Denim Social. He is based in St. Louis, Missouri. You can look for Doug on LinkedIn. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services, which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. And speaking of puppies, I have this really adorable corgi puppy. He just turned a year old, actually, and his name is Suki. Suki, I'd love to post your picture up on Facebook. What do you think, huh? Huh? Oh, ow, ow, stop. Time to go into three bullet points. Number one. Many branches are shut down. Commercial lenders can't walk Bain Street. Wealth advisors can't take people out for lunch. So the best way to connect with a customer is in a place where they're already engaged on social media. And they are less likely to engage with the brand on social than they are with an individual. Number two. We go onto social media to engage with other human beings. And so our viewpoint is, is that by harnessing that collective horsepower of all of your employees, creating, scheduling, and posting relevant thought leadership content on behalf of those employees is what's really gonna push the needle. Number three. 
institutions and the advisors need to be able to stay top of mind and stay relevant for a consumer until that point in time where they are having their third child or moving to a new market for a job opportunity and need to figure out who they're going to finance their home purchase with. These are all things you can't necessarily predict as a marketer, but we want to make sure that the advisor is there with them every step of the journey. So when they finally raise their hand, they think of that advisor first. And now in place of Lou's views this week, we have Lou's audio cues. Chris Skinner, who is the author of the Financer column and a true expert in financial services, one I rely on for my information, has just posted this week the fintech rap. That's right. He's rapping. It's a video that's on Vimeo. And yet I have to say that as a studio musician and songwriter, like opposed to Bankadelic theme music after all, this is quite the throwdown for me. I'm gonna play an excerpt from Chris's rap and then take him on in an MC battle of the financial superstars. Well, he's a superstar, I don't know about me. But anyway, here's an excerpt from Chris Skinner's FinTech rap. I know I shouldn't do this, but I don't care. It's lockdown, I can't even cut my hair. I think lockdown has made me deranged as I'm filming a rap. That shows I've changed. I've been in banking 30 years and more, but it's changed a lot since 1984. It's now all free, digital, online. The customer has choice. They're feeling fine. That's why all banks are falling away. Most of them have had their day. We see new banks growing fast. Other big old banks just stuck <laughs> in the past. <laughs> no. I have to say there are some great lines in here about bankers at old institutions smoking pot and whatnot. But now it is time to be dazzled by MC Bankadelic. Word. Yo! Get it up, get it up, get it up, get it up! Go, 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 go! Let's talk a customer experience. FinTech poses with the innovation theater. Chris Skinner rocks like an old lady at the hoedown. Welcome everybody to the FinTech throwdown. Oh yeah. In Silicon Valley with the FinTech comb, you saw a sucker with a hair weave. What's the macaroni? Trying to sell me something for my legacy core. And the more he talked, the more he was a bore. Now, aside from the fact that the winner should be obvious, if there's ever demand for the complete version of my rap, and I doubt it, I'll be happy to release it on the Bankadelic page on my SoundCloud platform. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and Chris, better luck next time. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn. And when I'm all done with the Chicago dogs, I'll be linked out. Until next time, so long.
Bankadelic is a production of Karma Productions Worldwide, Chicago. Oh, yeah.